The following audio was recorded during a meeting of the Department of Offense. It is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or anyone with actual taste. You have been warned. Jane Goodall motorboating a gorilla's floppy milk. I would make a lot of rectangles. I could never do squares, right? We all had to put pants on this week because you're here. And now it's time for the Department of Offense. All right, let's try this again. Welcome to episode four. No, no, that's not 59. I opened the notes for 49 because I'm an idiot. Wow, I am just on top of stuff today, guys. You are on just your game. absolutely on top of everything. You are like the Howard Stern of basement podcasting. Sure, we'll go with that. that what does like that even mean? That means Nobody he's on knows. his game. Nobody knows. I don't know. Miles, what have you been up to this week? I'm not even going to introduce who's here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. I, I'm just wondering whether or not I should cut you off before you even start with the way the day is going. No. All right. Well, I, all right. Before before we get into how your day or how your week has been, uh, I do need to say those of you guys listening live, it's going to be a little different today. Um, we're going to only do half of the show live, and then we are on our way to Bent Brew Stillery for an interview and a tour, and so we're going to do an interview up there. We don't have the capabilities up there to broadcast it live, unfortunately, so you're going to have to download the podcast like everybody else tomorrow, so I apologize. Um, But other than that, those of you guys who don't listen live, you should, because just go to blindedstudios.com slash live, and the link will be there, and you can listen right on our webpage. Uh, You guys won't really notice anything. Except things might just be a little wonky because we're just having all of the studio problems today. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Miles, uh, how's your week been? Just busy. I've been putting in a lot of work so I could have today off. Okay. Be able to awesome. join you guys. Very cool. Carlos? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Don't even just say just same thing. Same thing. You have nothing to talk about. Oh, I've been working a lot really hard this week, so I could uh, be here with you guys today. Carlos, don't even try sucking up. It doesn't work for you. It I just heard, doesn't. I heard you had a thing with popcorn recently. I had popcorn? <laughs> yes, I, I do eat popcorn from lots time to time. And lots and lots of popcorn? No, you just ate popcorn. popcorn. Okay, fine. Whatever. Well, you, I don't... you just make a bowl of popcorn and you eat it. That's, that's and what then you do with popcorn. And then you make another bowl of popcorn <laughs> and then you eat it. Yeah, I not the same... At not within like 10 minutes. <laughs> anyway, Eric, what have you been up to this week? Well, I unleashed onto the world my first YouTube video. Gamers you Kitchen. did. That's right. And Available I got to be the first person YouTube. to comment on you it. You were. You were. <laughs> you were. <laughs> I'm already on like 25 views and like eight likes. It's pretty cool. It's a lot. It's a good time. It is. And I, I think you did a really good job. I really like the way so it came it's, out. It's goofy. Yeah. So were these the ribs you were talking about on pancakes with Casey? Yes. Yes. Okay. Those. Yes. Those are. The, see, it was supposed to come out that same week, but we ran into production issues, and by production issues, I mean Eric kept not editing. Yeah, <laughs> I was bad at it. I so. noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that was the thing that finally came out, which I was super excited about, and hopefully this week we can finally get the Carlos perspective out. Yeah, I'm really I so excited about it. How excited are you, Carlos? Like, you don't seem very excited. I'm not. Why? I just didn't like it very much. Again? Yeah. Oh, I- no, no, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll edit together and everything, but okay. I just, 
I just didn't like it. All right. What what is I'm not sure I caught up with this show. What is it? It's just Carlos's vlog. Oh. I just don't really like vlogging. It, yeah. It's not my thing. Well then don't do it. Do something else. Well, I am I have the other thing that Yeah, he, he has other stuff he's doing too, so I'm not too worried about it. Anyway, not not of this is business. No, things. we don't really need to talk about that on there. Um, I have been getting new equipment for the studio, just all of it how's, everywhere. How's that working out for you? Well, it was working out really, really well <laughs> until about ten minutes ago. <laughs> we had practiced it already, had everything set up, it sounded good, and then we go live and nothing. And then nothing. Well, no, it it worked. It's just I had things plugged into the wrong ports, and then cables weren't working. <laughs> just, <laughs> there's a buzzing in the headphones. Could be worse though. It could be. It's not. It's not a very big buzzing. Or it could be like on fire. That could be a problem. Okay, we're not on fire. Don't scare me like that. I'm just I was just saying that could be on fire. Does anybody smell smoke? No, nobody smells smoke. <laughs> nobody smells smoke, okay guys? No smoke. No fire. Uh I also bought uh Tomb Raider, the definitive edition. How are you liking those for chess the effects? Xbox one? It is so pirty. Oh, it does look amazing. It's so pirty. I'm gonna have to pick it up. It's yeah. It 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 looks so good. And I mean, I've been having a hankering to play through it again. Like I played my first playthrough was on PC, but I wasn't able to like crank everything all the way up. Me neither. And it just it looks so good. So yeah. there's definitely definitely worth purchasing the definitive edition. Yeah, I I think it was. Um, but I'm I'm a sucker for Tomb Raider. True. Like that game was probably one of my favorite games of this past year. So, all yeah. right, we have we have other things to talk what, about, right? Are we going to talk to him, Eric? What have you been doing this week? I'm sorry. I already yeah, said we already I did. My did, video. Did we? Okay. Yeah. Enough. Don't don't. Don't second guess me, because then I'll second guess myself, because it's been a really long day. <laughs> and then I'll have to talk about my video Dude, again, like uh, Gamer's Kitchen, o'clock. available now on YouTube. Go ahead and watch it. Yeah, it's only yeah, just because you woke up at 11.30 doesn't mean the rest <laughs> of us woke up at 11.30. I've been up since 6 doing things. I got up at 11.20, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, some of us didn't even really get to sleep. <laughs> there is that. There is that. All right, anyway... Uh, beer. We have a beer, right? Do we yes, have a beer? Yes, we do. We okay. have a beer. We have Miles, beer. this, I mean, first of all, thank you. Yes. So welcome. much. You're Why don't welcome. you tell us about this beer before we even get to pouring it? All right. This is a Central Waters 16th Anniversary Stout. And before I give my personal uh, thoughts on it, I'll just read the back for people and then we can get everyone's opinion. Uh, let's see. To celebrate our sweet 16, we made this anniversary beer that builds itself on the shoulders of its predecessors. Using a bigger, bolder Imperial Stout, we aged this beer for 21 months in oak bourbon barrels. The result, rich, decadent bourbon, vanilla, and toffee, complemented by the chocolate and roast of the stout. Enjoy this beer from our gold medal winning anniversary series because 16 is a milestone, but our life is just beginning. Awesome. Open that bad boy up. Open it. Ah. 
Stay tuned. <laughs> oh what are boy. we staying tuned for? We are uh, pouring beer. Ooh, I will describe it. Miles has the glass tilted at a 45. Oh, man, it's coming out. It looks like oh just, God, it looks it's just really dark, oily. You know, I disagree with you there, Eric. I think that was a 47 degree angle. Do you think angle. it was 47 degree angle? Yes, I do. I think it, it was be. 46 that and a half. That is definitely more than a 47 degree angle right there. That's going to no. be at least a 51. That is maybe, fi- maybe that's 51 from, you know, for in Australia, in a, an Australia fifty-one. I don't think you can count that as an American fifty-one. That's degree. definitely not an American fifty-one degrees. Hey, that's a big glass there. Oh Man, wow, it smells. Fucking, that smells. Yeah, it smells wonderful. I don't even know. Mm. Podcast listeners, I'm mm. sorry. Yes. <laughs> Here, smell through the microphone. One day we will give you smell o vision, but today is not the day. Well, smell a audio. It wouldn't be smell a vision. Smell a audio. I don't know. Oh, all right. So, what are you smelling? Man, you, you get a good note of coffee, and then the the bourbon barrel. I mean, you can smell that the that bourbon, that yeah that bourbon. Oaky, like get a little touch of vanilla, a little sweetness. I get the uh, I get some nice toffee sweetness, almost molasses, treacle kind of thing going on. Definitely Carlos, a, a are you smelling anything interesting? Smell. Uh, I like really like the smell. I think I might like the smell better than I like the taste. What do, What do you think it tastes like, Carla? You can definitely taste the. Uh, what was it? Bourbon barreled age. Correct. The bourbon, yeah. yeah. You can definitely taste the bourbon. What's the ABV on this one? Ooh. I don't know if it says. You might actually have to look that up. All right, we have a guy for that. Uh, just has- go to beeradvocate.com. Yeah. Miles. Give ah. us give us your tasting notes here. My tasting notes, or do you want me to go last first? Uh, well, I go ahead. Go and I'll go. Okay. I'll go, and then you can go last. Okay. Or no, but, I'll go, then Eric can go because Carlos has already kind of given. Yes, yeah. he just. I can go into more detail. Okay. But. Well, go into more detail while I'm tasting then. All right. Yeah, that bourbon. The bourbon really has a. There's really a strong flavor in there, like along with the there's like the coffee flavor in there, but. Actually, I would almost say like it's too much bourbon for my tastes. Fair too enough. much bourbon? Yes. Can there even be such a thing? Yes. I don't know. Um. Okay. So you, you got coffee, too much bourbon? Yep. All right. Um, I'm picking up definitely the bourbons there. Some vanilla. It's it's dry. Dry is fun. Um, I what 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 are you guys doing? I'm helping them look. They're at watching it. gay porn right now. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. We're actually. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I like it. Uh, it. It has this really nice like warming sensation in my tummy. I feel warm from head to toe right now. Um, I I don't know how much of it I would actually like just sit down and drink. Like if I had this entire bottle, you probably wouldn't want to, as it comes in at a whopping eleven percent. Yeah, no, yeah, okay, that makes sense. One hundred percent, uh, beer beer score for a beer advocate. I believe it. I mean, it's it's a very well made beer. It is very well made beer. As far as I know, this is three years in a row where uh, they've made. Uh, a stout like this, they have the 14, 15, and 16 now, and they've just blown it out of the water Okay. each time. Awesome. You get a, a really rich chocolatey flavor like a few seconds after you swallow, and mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. I like this. I like this a lot, and I would give it a 100. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I. This is good stuff. I I like it. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if I would buy a bunch of it. But no, I don't. You wouldn't want to sit there and drink a whole bottle of it. I don't think. And what brand was it again? Central Waters. It's Central Waters. Out of Amherst, Wisconsin. All right, Miles, give us your tasting notes. Uh, tasting I know notes. you have a lot. I I I do get a lot. It's not quite as pungent as it was off off tap. I I had the privilege of going to the Central Waters Brewery and having it on tap there, and this is my first time having it out of the bottle. It was uh the oak was a lot more pungent. Okay, when it was on tap. Is that do you do you, would you do you think that lends better to the beer or having uh, I'm, I'm it a little bit like, more subdued is nicer? I'm actually liking it better out of the bottle at the moment. Okay. Um, it was it was interesting having or with the the oak so pungent because it sat right alongside the roastiness, and it actually got a lot of criticisms because it was too that, oaky. Yeah, for that uh, exact characteristic, but out of the bottle, it's much more subdued. Uh, so you're able to taste a lot of the other flavors. I get a lot of the just imperial stout aspect, some grain bitterness tossed in with uh, some of those caramely molassesy sweetness things going on in the background. Huh. You know, one thing I yeah. think f- for the richness of the flavor and the color of the beer, like it, it, it could lend to it like the 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 feel in your mouth could be a little thicker, like a little yeah. more viscous. For for like those it, of you who don't know, um, it's so dark it's, you can't. It's pitch you black. Can't, yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, can't see through it. There's there's not even any opacity to it at all. It's delicious. I, I I really like this one. This might be one of my favorite ones that we've tasted on the show so far. Yeah, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's I, and, very good. And I'll say one thing: I'm actually kind of glad to hear is that it's actually only eleven percent. And I, I don't say that lightly because 11 is still a very big ABV, but there's some of these other stouts out They didn't there. push it to the 14, 15. Right. Yeah, which in in some ways gets to be a little unnecessary. And, yeah. And so, if I mean, very literally, there's that was extra it? 3% volume that will be lending more towards what, flavor complexity. What was that stuff. one? Uh, the Sweet 16, I think, was Ugh. the one where we could just taste alcohol and really nothing oh, else. Oh, that's that right. Was a, that's was from that uh, Schmaltz Brewing Company. No, that was from Hebrew. Hebrew. Oh. That, was, that was an early, early one. We ended oh, okay. up, we bought two bottles. We drank one on the show, barely, and we ended up giving the other one to a caller. <laughs> Very nice, dude. That's Poor fucking awesome. Because it, it wasn't that good. It, <laughs> we weren't gonna drink you, it. Yeah, and we're like, well, was... we might as well give it to a caller. Like no. this, this one, we like... had like we we did like a game or something. Yeah, right? yeah. We, we 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 had a game and they played for it. So yeah. usually, Poor bastard. Uh, like you were saying, you know, like that the last one that you were talking about, how it tastes a, a lot like alcohol or a lot like liquor or whatever. I mean, this one has. A very very hearty bourbon flavor, but with the imperial stout in there, I mean, it just it sets it off, and it's it's really tasty. I yeah. mean, you could be confused as to like if somebody actually just poured like a little bit of bourbon into your beer, it mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. through like it's it's really nice. And I think that partly comes from the fact that it was in uh, bourbon barrels for twenty one months. Yeah, so damn near two years. So if you think about it, by the time they I went there the first time. They were already making this beer practically, and that was two years ago. Mm. So the other thing I'll say is that this is very robust and very yeah. drinkable yeah, right now. Yeah. It's very drinkable. Yeah, I, I I would be curious to see how it is in you know one to five years. I know, and uh, uh, my buddy has his own beer rating YouTube uh, channel, 
where he talked about this beer and I, I kind of poked my head in and I said, uh, I probably wouldn't rate this beer a 100, probably a 98 because I can still imagine it getting better in a while. Yeah. And that would be the 100 beer. If you don't mm-hmm. mind me asking, what is the price on this bottle? I paid $15 for a bottle. That's not That's not No, bad. that is or amazingly... The, yeah, but it's, it's a limited run, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were, it was only available at the brewery on that day. Okay. Wow. Nice. Good Good so, call. Thank you for yeah. uh Yeah, thank you, thank you so this. much. This this is is good stuff. Yeah, fantastic. absolutely. I was talking to Casey, and um, I, I said that there was no way I was going to let him not be able to try this beer. Well, and I appreciate it. That is that is good. Yeah, I wish, and well, I wish uh, we the best thing about a beer like this is sitting around with people, sharing it, and talking about it. Absolutely. Like when when you have those limited run beers, I don't understand the people who just get them and hoard them to themselves. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's my like precious. this is my beer, my, my precious. precious. I'm gonna throw it in the cellar and not look at it ever. Like beer is meant to be drunk. Yeah, uh, you you can you can age it. Beer is meant to be drink. No, drunk. <laughs> Drank. Drunken. Drunk. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> anyway. Beer so, hoarding. That actually... Fine. Beer, beer is meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, there you no, go. it really is. And I, for a liquor store guy and such a large uh, beer connoisseur, I drink surprisingly less than people would expect just mm-hmm. because I'm not always with people in a situation to crack one open and mm-hmm. share. Yeah. Because that's the way I, I like to drink it, Well, it's, it's just so much more fun that way. Yeah. I mean, there there's, I mean, yeah, sitting down after a long day and drinking a beer is is great, but having a special occasion beer like this with others is fantastic. Yeah. And so I, I feel like the people who hoard it just take away. But that's that's a, a whole thing for another episode of I know, I was Problems in Craft Beer. Yep. <laughs> well, that would be a fun episode talking about beer hoarders. Beer hoarding. We'll have hoarding. to we'll have to do a special intro for that one, like based off of like the hoarders intro. It, that has from an intro. TBS. I, I suppose know. it has to. It could be fun. You can always, TBS, uh, I, I think it, it's like TLC, right? Or is it I don't know. I don't it's know. one of those channels that used to be used to mean something and now it's just crap. Hey, yeah, that'd be TLC. TLC okay. or I saw, I saw that actual uh, awesome picture comparing TLC to uh, Dark Souls because it's so horrible. <laughs> Why would anybody do this to themselves? Have you ever seen the uh, YouTube videos of people who just record their beer stashes? No. You, sh- uh, you should look at them and you could post a couple of links with the video when we talk about it. All right, it. take some notes. Note guy. Note guy. So note I don't guy. forget. All right. Wait a minute. I don't have any kind of note taking note thing. Yeah, you have this. Notepad. Dude, you know how crap Notepad is? Uh, I love Notepad. Notepad it is, is the greatest. Awesome. Yeah. You, you stop shitting on Notepad. I do like Notepad. I want it's a lightweight thing to write words down on. Now, what do you think about WordPad? Fuck WordPad. The it's like it's like uh, the redheaded stepchild of <laughs> simple note taking. Look, you need Notepad, and you need Microsoft Word. Yes. you don't need WordPad. I know it's like the or Notepad plus plus. I I don't even know what that is. Notepad plus plus has all the has uh, like all like the HTML syntaxes and XML syntax. Uh, it's basically integrated. like Notepad for programmers. Yeah, that actually does sound useful. It's super useful. Does it have like libraries and stuff? I I think so. Okay, not entirely sure. Ah, I I haven't like I've, have... I've just used it for HTML and CSS. Yeah. Well, anyways, life... does it have Clippy the paperclip? No. Well, it should. Is no. that a feature maybe if with uh, Notepad++? All right, so we're going to get to the news segment today, uh, but we're going to do something a little different. Um, we have two 
I guess, discussion topics that I want to uh, talk mm-hmm. about. And so I'm going to play the news intro, and then we're going to bookend it uh, with discussion topics. The first discussion topic is going to be uh, the Winter Olympics in Russia, because we want to talk about that. And then we're going to do the news, and then we're going to wrap up our news segment this week with a discussion about the Bill Nye versus Ken Ham debate that happened Ooh, this past week. I have some things to yeah, say about I, we all we all have some things to say about <laughs> it, and so I'm really excited to talk about it. So... Without further ado, and now the Department of Defense presents news with Casey. That's me. Still love that. (laughs) (laughs) That is fucking awesome. That intro makes me happy. It is a great intro. I really like. Is that the first time you've heard that intro? I think it is. Yeah. Oh wow, you you haven't been on the show in about a month. Yeah. It it has been a few weeks. Yeah, I, I think I need to extend it so like the, that just fades out a little bit better instead of abruptly ending. It, it should fade out over like the next minute and a half. Yeah. All right. Um. So I guess first discussion topic, Eric, do you want to start us off with the Winter Olympics in Russia? Well, the thing is that the the, the world gave Russia fifty one billion dollars for this Olympic Games. Um, and they decided that they were going to stick all the athletes and and not. I mean, a lot of the internet talk is like, oh yeah, you stupid Americans complaining about like the conditions. But no, I mean, these are all every athlete from around the world are in hotel rooms that are are ran down. They're not clean. The water is is nasty. Uh, one guy, one of the, uh, a member of a bobs- bobsled team literally got locked inside of his bathroom door and when nobody <laughs> nobody answered his call for calls for help he had to break the door down uh, I mean there's still construction going on like there's uh, you can see on the internet there there's photos of these hotels that are I mean they they look like they're here they would be either be condemned or like they're just they're just freshly being built and they had almost five years to get ready for this Olympics. And it's, to me, the Russian people, any Russians listening to us, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should feel disgraced that you have represented your country like this. It's horrible, horrible conditions. Yeah, I mean... That's that's just I don't I don't understand how you can even let it go that way. Yeah. And then like leading up to like this this whole past year, like leading up to the games, they've done all this like huge like anti-gay stuff just to piss off the rest of the free world. Right. Like, hey, yeah, gays. There's none of that Screw stuff. Gays. Yeah, no, none of none of that. I am Russia. In Russian, we don't like no gays. I thought it was funny how like one of the mayor- you could only like the vagina if you are a man. <laughs> you could only like. The dick, if you are a woman. I, uh, there was like an article about how uh, that I read about how like a mayor like declared like, oh yeah, the city we don't have to worry about the gays because gays do not exist here. <laughs> Meanwhile, like it has like two gay clubs in town. <laughs> Actually, uh, going along that note, there was something that I read this morning that they arrested um, four lesbian protesters for actually reciting um, some of the. I guess they were like the Russian mandates for for the uh, for the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just quoting them, and I mean how how it relates to equality for everybody and stuff like that. And they arrested these four protesters. Not, I mean, they weren't even saying anything like, "Oh, we're here, we're queer, get used to it," kind of thing. Yeah, it was actually what the Russians had put out. And they were reading that, and they arrested them. So that goes to show you how it's like how Russia whole, is. Yeah, it's it's just so ridiculous. Like, how does it even? Just so many dogs today. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't understand. Miles, do you want to weigh in on this? I I I didn't get to see 
any of it so far. I've only seen random posts online about how it's not going yeah. well. Well, I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to watch it either. Um, so I I honestly don't have too much input other than to say that. Uh, my social media is not responding very positively about uh, it. None no. of it is worldwide. I mean, er- everybody I'm just, is. I'm curious to see if there's going to be any like political fallout from I from I, this after after everything's all said. Yeah, and done. you you would have to think that that something is going to come along these lines. I mean, uh, basically, it seems like Russia stole. Fifty billion dollars, and then put one billion into like their efforts in the last like week before the Olympic Games started. It what was, happened to the rest of the money? Did they just that, make yeah? That, well, like I'm, they, I'm, yeah. they, they, the thing is, like they also had like one with the lowest bid. Like they said, like oh yeah, it'll be fifteen billion, and uh, they got fifty. And they well, got, it, 50, well, it just 51. went so over budget. Yeah. Oh. But if you look at it, how did they go over budget? I just don't know. Right? Uh, I'm, don't know. I'm interested to see. Like, I haven't watched any of the games either myself. I'm interested to see, I mean, what the what the competition arenas are like. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, you have things. Maybe Maybe that's where they sunk all their money in. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it had to go somewhere. It apparently didn't go to the bathroom. Steroids. They have, I've seen a couple things like these. Uh, there's like a couple of 3D monuments or whatever that they put up. Like, so maybe they put all their money in like, the, oh, like, oh yeah, these are the great things of Russia, and like they just didn't put any money into like the things that people needed. Let's think great things in Russia. Vodka. Vodka. Beat chirp, you to it. Chirp. Chirp. <laughs> tanks. Russians are really good at building tanks. Yeah, that's true. And, just um, not very good at taking over Afghanistan with those tanks. No. They're pretty good at building Musan nougats too. Those are pretty good rifles. But that's about it. Um, Let's see. Hmm. Russian. Uh, They're really good at throwing people at the German military. That's true. That's true. Uh, Kalashnikov? Is, it, is that Russian? No, yep. that's a, actually not Russian. That's a, he's he was Georgian. Oh. Okay. But I mean... So. He, he, he was a Soviet. Yeah, he was a okay. Soviet. They yeah. are so not great Russian. at manufacturing snow. That's true. That is their chief thing that happens there. <laughs> yes. They have the Russian Imperial Stout. But do they? I, I mean, oh. na- name the last Russian Imperial Stout that you drank that was actually Russian. Baltica Porter? <laughs> How was it? Yeah, I mean, it was solid. It was a Baltic Porter. So They are also good at hacking, apparently, because if you go to the Olympic Games and you turn your cell phone on, you get hacked. <laughs> All right, so I, I think I think we've pretty much exhausted this, mostly because the games aren't over well, yet. I, yeah. I do have to say oh. though, about all that, I just find it hilarious. Oh, that did, this is did going you? On. Did you see the uh, the the sign that one of the athletes uh, tweeted out? Uh, that's in the bathroom. No, it, it's like the proper bathroom etiquette. Sign. Oh yeah, you can't. You can't. It's like no standing up to pee, no throwing up in the toilet, no upper like, deckers. No, yeah, no upper deckers. <laughs> oh, it was God. on at midnight the other night. It that's was fantastic. Uh yeah, so I guess news then. I have news, 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 news. news. All, uh, one more thing: if Russia is supposed to be a world power, I mean, there are third world countries that represented themselves better in the Olympics than than Russia has, and Russia yeah. should be ashamed. I yeah, pretty much. I think that's where we're ending on yep. it. Like they just they just screwed up. Yep. Uh, fail. Yeah. All right. Um, some news. Uh, the Gulfport, Mississippi Police Department has just fired Officer Fred for being lazy. Playing with soda cans on duty and being easily distracted. <laughs> Officer Fred. Officer Fred. Fred. Officer Fred was a drug dog. Aww. <laughs> Poor Fred. Poor Fred. 
Uh, Donald Adams III uh, has just received a $5 million settlement for being paralyzed in a porta potty. Apparently, he was camping with his cousins, and they backed a truck up to the door uh, of the porta potty to lock him in as a joke, but they accidentally knocked it over, and it like rolled down a slope, and he landed on his neck. Um, and he then sued the porta potty company. What? Oh, God for bless for bad for bad placement. It's like, stupid. Isn't this the cousins' fault for? It is. So 100%. being idiots. That's, yeah. that's America, though. America. I don't know. Um, a Florida man walked into a Walmart, grabbed a cart, filled it with three hundred and fifty dollars of cat food, and then pushed it out to his car. Uh, Walmart employees stopped him and called the police. When the police questioned him, the man said that he hustles cat food. I didn't realize you could be a cat food hustler. You know why? <laughs> I think he made it up. Because it's the same thing with laundry detergent. You can't buy it with food stamps. You can't buy pet food with food stamps. And that's why a lot of times, uh, big in Baltimore, all that kind of stuff was actually behind the lock and key because people would steal dog food, cat food, and laundry detergent. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, The man, uh, and he he says he has one customer who has 300 cats. Ugh. He so needs to get the like info up. A daily so they, amount yeah. he grabbed. Uh, yeah, that's a ridiculous amount of cats. Hopefully, he gives that person up, and they call animal control because that's not cool. No, it is not cool. No, it it, is like very, it's just too many uncool. cats. Uh, like that's that's like cat lady to the max. That to is, the max. That is cat queen, not just lady. Cat queen. Like cat level I think 9, all those now. like all those cats are going to uh, like. All their tails are going to come together, and they're going to form a cat king, kind of like a rat king. <laughs> cat level over nine thousand. It'll be a catastrophe. Oh. <laughs> uh, John R. Morales, the actor who voiced Scruff McGruff. You guys remember Scruff yeah, McGruff? Of course, the crime I do. Dog. Every, yeah. If you don't, you're not a person. Okay. Uh, was just sentenced to sixteen years in prison. <laughs> After police found 1,000 marijuana plants, 27 illegal weapons, including a grenade launcher, and 9,000 rounds of ammunition on his property. Nice. That's right. What? Scruff McGruff is now in prison. <laughs> Scruff was the little one, right? For weapons no, and what? drugs. No, no we're not talking about Scrappy-Doo. No, Scruff McGruff was the uh, like dog. like taking a bite out of crime dog. Yeah, I remember. Th- I I thought there was like a, I thought his name was something different. No. I thought there was a little <laughs> one too. I, I still remember. remember. I still have the commercial stuck in my head. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, six zero six five two. Take a bite out crime. <laughs> yep, I remember that. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. I will never forget. Nineties kids have no idea. <laughs> and now and now he's in like the the voice actor is in prison. I don't. I just, funny. I'm, I'm trying to process this here. All the irony. And Carlos, the last story I have is one I picked out just for you. Oh, yeah? Just for you. A one and a half meter diameter jellyfish up, washed up on the shore of Australia. What? They're coming for us. <laughs> They're coming for us all. They were sent by the crab people. It was, crab an unidentif- people. It was a new <laughs> species of jellyfish. See, what's going on is, you've seen the movie Evolution, everybody, right? <laughs> oh, yes. They're trying to breathe our atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to escape the ocean. Is it and working? They come after us. Is it working, Carlos? Well, you see, the oceans are already full of jellyfish. Nobody wants to go live in an ocean full of jellyfish. So they're even, not even jellyfish. So they're coming after us. And, you know, they're getting closer. It's only a matter of time before they There's come after us. There's only maybe four or five million years, you know, by the time they evolve no. to come and get us. Yeah. No. It's, it's like a matter of days. You've seen the movie Evolution. I did. Was did it, you not yeah. listen to the debates? 
We That's have, true. That's we're, true. We're getting there. According to, I forgot. One month from now. That, that was Damn. just a plug. That was. <laughs> One month from now, Florida will be overrun <laughs> by jellyfish. <laughs> no, see, I, I think I think they're going to try Australia first because like there's parts of it that are less densely populated just so they can gain a foothold and a, it, uh, yeah. pl- uh, a base of operations. People that joke sense. all the time about Plus, sharknadoes. Well, we ha- we're going to have worse things when after... Florida is invaded by uh, jellyfish. The, the only first problem is the lack through. of a bone structure. Well, yeah. As soon as the first hurricane comes through, they're all going to be wiped out. But we're also going to have people in, like all across uh, the East Coast hit by uh, shards of jellyfish because the hurricane this is going to spread them everywhere. I think somebody's paranoid. Carlos. And then they're going to multiply. So Carlos, each of those is going to become a, a separate jellyfish, and they'll be everywhere. There will be no winning. I, I think. I think we need to name uh, this jellyfish species after you, like like call it like the car- the the Carlos Paranoius or something. Carlos Nimsis. I don't know. Paranoicus. I, I, I want to say uh, maybe we should uh, instead of, like have this like a jellyfish watch. No, this is jellyfish uh, jellyfish again. Jellyfish again. Maybe 2014. Of, maybe instead of Shark Week, we should have Jellyfish Month, so people can <laughs> so get, people know awareness can be raised. It's it's just like it's just 24 seven on the Discovery Channel for a month. It's just like pictures of gently floating jellyfish. <laughs> jellyfish Awareness Channel. It may look peaceful from a distance, but this will do. This creature will do everything in its power to kill you. I know, as but painfully as possible. And what's also scary is the idea that if they start with Australia, do we honestly care enough to want to try and stop them at that? Well, point? the problem with Australia is the jellyfish think it'll be the easiest way to take over from people, but that country, everything there is trying to kill you yeah. actively. So, uh, actually, so either either the jellyfish will strike a truce, and we're going to have a whole new axis of evil starting in holy Australia. Shit, jellyfish and koalas that fall out of trees, and every species no. of poisonous spider in the world and all snake. To a, Australia to a is Australia is safe. They're going to be the last continent that gets taken. Even Antarctica will get taken first by the jellyfish. <laughs> Well, the only There's do, wait. Do the jellyfish there, wear fur coats? Like, how do they <laughs> how do they take Antarctica? They, well, they'll have, evolve. There has been a decline in polar bears. Maybe the jellyfish are killing polar bears. You see, skinning them, taking them down to their underwater kingdom to per, uh, to provide themselves polar bear jellyfish coats. No, they don't even have to do that. They just after the the bear's dead, they burrow inside and they just start wearing the bear as a coat, like a tauntaun. Yeah, makes sense to me. It's, it's awesome. like the brain jellyfish. They just take over. This, oh, dude! Now we're just now we're really getting paranoid here. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go too far down the paranoid rabbit hole, uh, let's let's do our last discussion topic, and then I think we'll be done with the first half. Oh, I, I'll have a field day with this. I, I think so. So, I, I'm just going to go into a little bit of background here. Those of you who don't know, uh, Bill Nye, scientist, te- or television awesome guy, mm-hmm. basically scientist yeah. extraordinaire. Wears yeah. a bow tie. Yes. Uh, he's basically Doctor Who, but real. And <laughs> Pretty much. Did we mention that he's a science guy? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, debated Ken Ham, who is like the founder of the Creationist Museum in Kentucky. I, I Kentucky. think so. Yeah. I believe he's in Kentucky. And so uh, about, I don't know, a couple months ago or a month ago or something, uh, Bill Nye posted a video saying that creationism should not be taught in schools because it shouldn't be taught to children as scientific fact. 
that that is where this stemmed from because he thinks it is detrimental to children to allow them to believe or to to have this taught to them in public schools. Uh, so Ken Ham reached out to him and said, "Well, why don't we have a debate on the merits of creationism versus evolution?" And he said yes. Yeah, he said yes, and the debate was and it it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Bill Nye's to Bill Nye's credit, he did not bring up religion really at all. Um, no. only the only time he brought up religion is when Ken Ham. Uh, like basically forced his hand to when be he was like, at, when he was asking to prove it, basically. Yes, and yeah. I I think uh, at the end there were directed questions to the uh, debaters, and one of them was about two of them. Yeah, uh, forced it as well. Yep, but yeah, that, that was the only time religion was really brought into it. Uh, from Nye's side. Yes, Ken Ham's side. We can't really like. I can't really say the same thing because no. every one of his responses kind of, started. Well, look at the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I was oh, there's a book that addresses this issue. Yes. Okay. Anyways, continue. Um. So yeah. Uh. I mean, Nye ended up the clear winner, but let's just talk about let's just talk about the debate itself, like the the points that were made and just stuff like that. Miles, I know you have a lot you want to say, so <laughs> why don't we start with you? Uh, I'll I'll say that I I was from the beginning on Nye's side. Mm-hmm. That's just where I come. Well, from. I, I I think. Everyone in this room started out on Nye's side, right? I think everyone started out on Nye's side and on ended Lord, on Nye's side. Well, I was I on mean, a Lord Zenu's side. <laughs> but, but oh, hey, Lord Zenu. Okay. Yeah. Go, yeah. go ahead. But even so, I I started listening with an open mind. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I'm not going to go in there with your with my mind set because that's not what a debate is about. Yes. Um. Unfortunately, Ken Ham did not. No. He, he had absolutely no intention of listening to pretty much anything Bill Nye said except a, to have his own rebuttal. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, what bothered me probably the most was the combination of these two things. He said, first off, like the, the premise of his entire side of the debate was that uh, creationism, uh, as based on the Bible being a literal interpretation— is the only logical thing that should be taught to children in schools. Okay, maybe. I'll, you know, I'll I'll take that premise and I'll listen to him for it. Uh obviously I still disagree, but I I had an open mind, but he later said when questioned by uh, an audience member, what if you were shown irrefutable proof that you were wrong, you know, and that the alternative is true? He denied the hypothetical existence of such evidence. Yeah, he, he, he denied he the hypothetical. He denied the hypothetical directly and said that he would never change his mind. Which, to me, completely turns, around, or turns it around and says that that is no longer logical, it is no longer science, it is a belief system, and it isn't the sort of thing that should be taught as science. Exactly. And on the opposite side, Bill Nice, you know, with the exact same question, said, you show me one piece of evidence and I will embrace it wholeheartedly and you'll change the world. Exactly. And he kept saying that. That was his big thing. Very well put, If, if you can, if I mean, if, if you can show me evidence, you, you the scientific community will, be, they will try to disprove it because that's what they do. That's science. That's, yeah, I mean, that, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, but they will be on your side. Um. Yeah, there's just there there are a lot of things that just really 
got my goat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. That was definitely one of them. The other one was Ken Ham's, uh, well, you see, the secularist and the evolutionist have hijacked the word science. And that really irritated me. First of all, no, the word science is science. You can't break it up. In, well, I mean, you can break it up into subgenres of science, but there aren't two, like, they're all still science. There's yeah. not there's not historical science and observational science. Yeah. It's just uh, science. For those who don't know, Ken Ham split it up into observational science or science that we can do and see the results of right here and now uh, versus historical science which was pretty much the the basis of his entire argument to say that the earth is only 4000 years old because you weren't there you can't prove it right which mm-hmm. is uh, that's a very childish that argument that is not how that's science a kindergarten works. argument it is you know and well and then when bill and i brought up things like astronomy and stuff like that and like looking at the stars and all that stuff to like the for the big bang he's like well no no that that could mean whatever. It, they, you can't observe it. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, Bill Nye was saying, we have trees that are 10,000 years yeah. old. Oh, yeah. We have uh, ice with uh, 700,000 layers. We can see stars that are over 4,000 light years away. and Or the, the uh, Grand Canyon reference with the, the different strata of the yep, Grand Canyon. exactly. And, and, I mean, that's visible and, to the naked eye. Yeah. And again, Ken Ham's defense was, you weren't there, you can't know. That that was basically yeah. it. Well, and you then weren't there, you like, can't his, know. His, his one counter to all of that was the mine in Australia where they found younger wood and older rock. Yeah. And I think the other one was uh, the idea of interpretation of data. Yes. Which... Yeah, all data is interpreted, but that that would yeah. be a very nitpicky thing, and exactly. it does not apply it's, to nearly everything. It's no grabbing well, at straws. Well, and then and then they they uh, they kept bringing up the fact about uh, radioactive dating. Yeah, that that was his primary defense against that the interpretation of data. Yes, and the fact that we pro- we have like two dozen different ways to date radioactively. And they can all have this range of results, and and his idea is since because it's a range, you can't know, you can't tell, so you're wrong. Which, Which is stupid because we, yeah. I mean, it's scientifically scientifically proven that uh, radioactivity decays at a specific rate. You know the well, the, you, but you see, we don't know that it's always done that because it could ch- the laws of nature could change in the last. Three thousand years. No, I did yeah. not. Four. I did not see the whole thing. Like, what? How did he address dinosaurs? He didn't really. No. No. Uh, um, but basically, I what I what I think it is is dinosaurs were one of the kinds that didn't get put on the boat. <laughs> no, I, I think he pretty much just ignored it altogether. Uh, I think there was even a question that that pretty much related to fossils, and he completely ignored it and was like, "Well, there was only seven thousand kinds that went onto the ark, and they, like Casey said." They weren't on the art, so they didn't. You oh know, God, they his, weren't there. His seven thousand kinds and like how like. He- well, it, it the the kinds thing is hard. Like if if you're honestly curious, either watch the debate or if you just want to know like some of the things that we're talking about, uh, look up the uh, like the creationist like orchard. 
yes. of, yep. of kinds. Yeah, the orchard versus the the, uh, the evolutionary ev- tree. Evolutionary There's like tree. the creationist orchard and the evolutionary tree are the two like ways that we get different species of animals. Yeah. And so the orchard uh, basically says that we start with base kinds of animals. Yeah. And we, we back up the kingdom phylum order class genus species tree. I, I think he said all the way back up to kingdom. Yes. So that it's like he could have two dogs. But they're always dogs. Beget all dogs. Right. Which I think just further messes up his own argument. Yeah. I think it makes it worse. It 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 doesn't it it just doesn't work. No. Um. And like the evolutionary tree is obviously you start with primordial ooze and then you get all of the different things billions of years later. Yeah. Yep. Which makes more sense than okay, well I got two old hound dogs and then I brought them on my giant ass boat, even though at the time we didn't have no. The but see, they 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 were they were dogs bear turned wolf into foxes, bears, and no, rabbits. They and they were bear wolf fox dogs, bear wolf fox dogs. Excuse me, not hound dogs, but <laughs> man bear pig. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and then. I, this this wasn't part of the debate, but uh, there there's been a lot of like just comments and BuzzFeed articles and stuff like that about the debate. Like people were responding to it on both sides, and the one that gets me every time is how can there still be monkeys if we evolved? That was that that yeah I facepalm all the time when I see that. I'm just like, okay, so have you seen the tree? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um oh god. Oh, the other thing that that bugged me. Um Bill Nye brought up the idea that uh one of the things science has is it gives you levels of predictability for the future. Yes. And he had this big thing about um a missing link in the uh species development tree, you know, or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, and they said, "Well, it should and be here and it Here's was. a good place to look for it. We look, we find it, you know, that's that's what science does. And Ken Ham turned around and said that, well, or because Bill Nye uh, posited, does your Bible have, you know, what can you predict from it? And Ken Ham's response was very... I don't think uh, he ever answered that no, question. No, he did. It was very fallacial, though. You know, he basically said, in the Bible, it talks about... Um, there being people, and there's people now, so that's a prediction. Uh, there's different languages. It comes from the Tower of Babel. That's a, you know, that's a prediction. But it, I mean, it's circular logic. Yeah. Because it's like if there were people, you know, it's like if all these things existed back then and they wrote about it and it's still here now, that's not a prediction. That's not a prediction at all. No, it's it's a fallacious circular logic Like, argument. Well, and people had to write it. So, yes, people writing about there being people. Of course there's people. Yeah, people writing about different languages. Or were of there? Of course there's different languages. Carlos, yes, there were people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that that really bugged me too. And it seems, I mean, honestly, the further and further I went into it, the less and less respect I had for Ken Ham, uh, not only yeah. for his position, but the way he decided to represent it. Well, and so what was your thought on him getting uh, like his, like, his opening statement and the first half of his uh, like arguments just being clips of other creationist scientists making the point for him. I thought he was looking for a lot of uh, self-validation to say that I agree religious that, people yeah. can be scientists too. Which but is, that wasn't the debate. No, I know. I realize that. But uh, what bothered me 
is that these people were saying very obviously not true things, like an astronomer saying there is absolutely no evidence to the contrary of a young universe. There's a lot of evidence. I know, and, you know, and that's my point. There <laughs> yeah. is a lot of it. And so in my eyes, he didn't validate his own opinions. All he did was bring into question the... The opinions of his experts. N- not even just their opinions, but their credibility. Mm-hmm. Because that's yeah, he he was trying to say okay, well, the guy that invented the the uh, the MRI machine is is a devout Catholic, and well, he invented the MRI machine, so he's got to be right, you know, and that's all it really was. Yeah, and you could also take pretty much every single one of their comments and use his own argument against it and say observational versus historical science that means nothing to me, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it it was just a whole lot of. Like that that really irritated me um especially like when Bill Nye had like like the foss like props and yeah. stuff that, yeah like, his his one thing was like look at what i have look what i found today <laughs> yeah, it's using science yeah. no he's like look what i found today with my eyes walking down the street <laughs> um, no the the other the other things that i took note of um uh Bill Nye was always listening and paying very close attention mm-hmm. yes. to what Ken was saying, which is what you're supposed to do in a debate. Yes. Whenever Bill Nye was talking, Ken Ham was like looking at his Bible and ignoring him. Yeah, he and he got very started doing very defensive posturing towards the end too. Like his yeah, yeah. his attitude. It, it, you it can got tell it got was, very kind of personal yeah. almost. Then the other thing I kind of noticed was uh I honestly think Bill Nye went into the debates knowing that most of this was going to be taking place because he started like he wasn't even trying to break apart uh Ken Ham's uh theories the yeah. entire time there were other times where he's just like okay I'm ignoring you now I'm just going to try and speak inspirationally to the young students saying we need good scientists we need good please scientists please be good scientists be, that's yeah. awesome that would be amazing oh, and that that was his whole like I mean he he essentially started it that way, and like started like his opening statement ended with with on that note, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And his closing statement, and he brought it up throughout the thing, which is fantastic because that's really what we need. We need young people in science. We need people to be interested in actively learning. Yeah, and, and the, the best thing about it too was like he didn't even bring into like the the whole. You have to be an atheist to be a scientist. He said no. you can believe oh, what you want to believe. God, no, as, he, as long as you you give science well, he, the 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 what it deserves, which is just yeah. the, the respect. Well, his big you know? thing was there are billions of religious people throughout the world, and it does nothing but enrich but their lives. Only a small handful believe what Ken Ham believes. Yes, in, in his in his worldview. And Ken Ham did not like it when Bill Nye called it Ken Ham's worldview. Oh, yeah. He didn't. No, he actually called him out on it. Yeah. And he still kept calling it that, mm-hmm. which is true. Uh, the other thing I liked was, um, oh, damn it, I lost it. <laughs> oh, okay. That happens. Yeah. Carlos? Trying to thought. You have anything yeah. you'd like to add? Like, it just the whole thing, it's just ridiculous. Like, all Ken Ham's arguments. <laughs> Just the whole oh I'm uh, yeah well uh, this book the Bible says like, you can't use that as a defense every time like there's uh, it's a book that was written by yeah, people like where, especially where's, with, where's your empirical data like where is your, your the, backup like, the facts? worst part you can't the, use it as science that's not how science works the worst part about that to me is how he he can nitpick what he wants out of the Bible to be true 
and then the other parts are just yeah, well, oh, yeah. there, there, said, there was there quote, was that poetry, question you know yeah. and, and it's like dude okay so Genesis to you is a totally logical thing but then you can Nick pit the part out that says if you go to war with somebody and you win then you're free to rape the women and children and take them as slaves that's poetry how's that poetry yeah you know yeah. you can't nitpick if you want to accept the Bible accept the whole thing yeah, yeah. He, he basically said yeah I, I'll or the question was uh, basically, do you take the entire Bible from cover to cover literally? And he's like, well, if you mean by literally, do I take it literally the way it's meant to be taken? Which and is, then he answered that question yeah. saying, uh, there's literal parts and then there's uh, po- poetical parts. Yeah, but how do you know what's, I, what? like, it's just, it's yes. stupid. It's well, he was trying rant. to say, that part of it was was prophecy from God, like I guess all the the gospels. I'm not I'm not too big on the Bible. I really don't know. But he's saying that the gospels is all poetry. But as far as I know, are the gospels supposed to be the word of God? No, know, I, like, I thought I thought the gospels were just the story of Christ. I, like, I isn't know. isn't that essentially what it is? It's all the parables and stuff like that. Um, no, I, I was going to say, um, when directed the question. Uh, is there room for religion and science to build nigh? He, he basically reiterated there's billions of religious people, and yes, there is. Absolutely there is, but not this literal interpretation of the Bible. Yeah, don't don't let religion get in the way of science. That's yes. essentially yeah. what it was. Yeah, Which is exactly what he's doing by trying Ken to Ken Ham's worldview wholly and completely does that, which is why at the end of the debate, um, I completely disagree with Ken Ham's statement mm-hmm. saying that it is the only logical thing that should be taught in schools, which it very obviously is not. And I also like the way they both worded it. I think it also reflects their personalities. Um, his is the only logical thing that should be taught in schools, period. And then uh, Bill Nye was... Uh, Basically, he said, if something comes along better that makes more sense, teach that. I mean, is, he well, was no, very in, I, open I, I to... I forget exactly how it was worded, imp- but his... Interpretations. The exact thesis of his entire argument was, uh, is Ken Ham's uh, worldview to be taught in schools viable? Is it viable in the world of science today? And his answer was no. 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 Yeah. And that's not even like being mean. That's no, just it's saying just it's... just not... He, he was taking that side of the debate because that was his side. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ken Ham was trying to take the you know, uh, well, yes, it well, is. Well, the problem and is Ken I'm Ham right just because didn't I'm right. def- like they they have a debate question. Ken Ham didn't debate the debate question. No, which the entire time I'm just like, get back to the point, right? Please just get back to the why, point. Why? Why is it viable? And the only answer that he really could have was, well, because the Bible says so. Oh, and I want to know where the platypus falls in this kinds. Yes. <laughs> Because Did you know that platypuses do not have nipples, so the females lactate through their sweat glands? Not just and that; they also, they also have eggs. poisonous, well, yeah. poisonous thorns eggs. on their feet. They, yep, they they have they have yeah they have they have poisonous barbs. They they are ridiculous are creatures. creatures. And when the jellyfish, <laughs> when the jellyfish eventually do take Australia, they're the one allies that they will have. Okay, so I think that, <laughs> yes, I think the short version is uh, Bill Nye good, Ken Ham bad. Yes. yes. All right, uh, and that, I believe, is a good place to stop the first half of this episode. Uh, the next thing you guys will hear is an awesome interview with uh, Bent Brew Stillery located in Roseville, Minnesota. We'll go into some more uh, details there and probably have a little post thing as well. So It'll be a good time. Please yeah. listen. 
And now let's not leave it with dead air. So hi. I'm Casey. You guys know that. Uh, <laughs> why don't we just? Why don't you want to introduce yourself here and tell us where we are? Um, Bartley Bloom, president and owner of Bent Brewstillery. We are in the current tap room right now. It's not open for business yet, but hopefully soon in the next couple months. I hope so. I mean, this is. I I need more of this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I can't imagine why. Yeah. I, uh, Miles, you want you want to introduce yourself just because so we know who you are. Oh well, I, I guess I'm Miles. I'm the I'm the liquor store guy that you hear on Department of Defense periodically. So pretty much every other week. <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> Frequently. Frequently. Okay. All right. Uh, so I guess why don't we just start here, um, Bartley? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, Bent Distillery and what you do here? Well, uh, we are a brewery and distillery. Um, we're brewing uh, several different types of beers, and we'll be distilling several different types of liquors as well. Um, the definition of craft, of course, is is what we're going for, uh, craft brewery, um, and bringing that into a craft distillery as well. Uh, it's a niche in the market here in the Twin Cities that hasn't been fully addressed yet, and uh, it's an emerging market that is gaining a lot of traction. Okay. Um, why the why the brew distillery and not just one way or the other? Well, uh, you know, there's been a ton of breweries opening up, and we all know this. Uh, they're pretty much everywhere. And, you know, for me, I've never been a me tour. You okay. know, I'm not going to do the me too thing. So I actually thought quite uh, long and hard about what I can do to set myself apart. Then I read a book about distilling. And I was hooked. I fell in love. <laughs> I knew that had just that extra little bit of complication, added complication to the brewing process that just really appealed to me as being the, the next evolution, you know, in brewing is taking it to the next, taking it to the next level and actually distilling it, breaking it down into different compounds. You know, and as a, a, an ex-scientist, an engineer, that really appealed to me. And uh, just looking at the shelves, you see there's a lot of room for creativity in the distilled spirits market. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically a, a canvas that no one's painting on yet. Uh, there are a lot of craft distilleries in the nation, but there's not many here in the Twin yeah. Cities in Minnesota. So it was something to me that uh, was extremely appealing in its scientific nature and its complication. Um, it, I saw a good fit for it. And, you know, it was uh, just one more thing that I thought would make my life a little bit more difficult. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's all we strive for, right? Making our we lives do. more difficult. Well, I always, I always quote uh, Kennedy, and I mangled the quote, but what he said about going to the moon, he says, we're not doing it because it's easy. Yeah. We're doing it because it's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's kind of been it's, my my uh, my, uh, that's my the fallback. Human, that's my the human motivation. spirit distilled down, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was looking for a challenge. You know, I wanted to do something that was extremely difficult. Um, I, I, it's been a while since I've been fully challenged. You know, and uh, this is something. Yeah, don't get cute with that. Um, <laughs> not mentally challenged, um, but uh, you know, it's just something that to me was a logical progression. Uh, in uh, in the brewing world yeah. is going into the distilled spirits because there's so much room for creativity. Mm -hmm. um, you said like you just you just said uh, you you're an ex scientist. What what did you do before before this? I'm just curious now. 
I was in the world of aerospace. Aerospace. Um, huh? I actually spent several years working for NASA in Huntsville. That's awesome. It was a I lot of fun. This. No, this this <laughs> um, is exciting news. Space is cool. Yeah, space is really cool. <laughs> you know, and uh, hence you know we use a lot of really cool stuff here, and then we you know appeal to the nerd because I'm yeah. you know at heart I'm a nerd as well. Um, uh, we worked in the um, the destructive testing okay. side of NASA is where I worked. So instead of non-destructive testing like X-rays and dye penetrants, we actually blew stuff up. So, so you, got you the had the part. best job in the world, is I what you're it. saying. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> why would you not? Why? I mean, why would you leave that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was because it was Alabama. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, you know, that's all was, you had to it say. It was a very uh, <laughs> difficult place to get used to the, the humidity. Yeah, you know, sure. and there was uh, just a few detractors there, but um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I moved from there into uh, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, where I worked with uh, uh, more like construction management, okay. I guess, for renovations of hospitals and that sort of thing. Uh, from there, I went to. Um, I, that job took me to Miami for a couple of years, which, you know, I, I can see exactly where that uh, that saying is. It's a great place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> that was a Miamiite that, that put that together, I'm sure. Um, so looking to get out of there, uh, I had a job offering up here with another aerospace company that built high-speed wind tunnels and jet engine test cells okay. and things like that. So cool. it kind of played back into the NASA experience. Um, all the the facilities that they built were at least 500 miles an hour or faster. Wow, um, it was wow. the transonic range, uh, testing a lot of fighters, you know, jet fighters, uh, a lot of reentry vehicles, and that sort of stuff. So we built the facilities to test these high-tech aerodynamics. That is things. amazing. Yeah. So a lot of the big uh, NASA wind tunnels that are out there now that are used for for uh, aerodynamic research were made by this company. Wow. And, That's really uh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. I worked there for 15 years, somewhere around there. And uh, yeah, it was probably about a year and three months ago when I decided to shed the shackles of corporate bondage and move out into something a little bit more fun. More fun. Yeah. yeah. Not that that wasn't interesting. It was very yeah. interesting, but uh, this is Time much for more change. fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that. So Here did you take anything from your aerospace uh, past into what you're doing today? Yeah, you know, <laughs> beer does go pretty fast, but it doesn't quite go that fast. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I learned quite a bit. Um, I was I spent about three years as an electrical engineer leading a team to build a wind tunnel in Melbourne. And then from there, right into the business development side of the company. Okay. And spent the last 12 years there in business development. So that has primed me, I would say, for this. Because I got a very up-close and personal view of business and how it's done and and what not to do and okay. what to do yeah. uh, so that, that was that was very very important to me to, to help make me a more rounded president of a, of a brewery okay. um, plus just having the you know the, the background of, uh, of the electrical engineering education and all that sure. giving you the problem-solving skills that you need of course nothing can prep you 
you know, for being a brewery owner. You know, unless you do go to you know business school, unless you've done stuff. it, <laughs> yeah. exactly, or worked underneath someone that, mm, that you did. know that does it well. So, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I guess bringing it back to the brewery itself a little bit, um, you guys recently merged with uh, Poor Decisions. Like, yes. what brought that around? Can you just tell us a little bit of the story behind that? Yeah, you know, I approached them. Um, I guess it was probably around a year ago, maybe a little bit long, longer, maybe it was in March of 2013, and uh, just to talk to them about contract brewing for me. Uh, okay. my, my business plan had always been to start a Pico brewery with a small tap room. I had a barrel and a half system that I would use to basically make enough beer to supply my little tap room. I'd have my little distillery in the side as well, mm-hmm. you know, and make that okay. for distribution. So it'd just kind of be like this small little niche place that you'd have regulars come to and just be yep. awesome. Yeah, a nice little neighborhood place. Um, Open a few days a week or whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, Wednesday through Saturday kind of thing, yeah. you know, work up to that. And then uh, have the majority of my beer contract brewed by another company. Sure. And that would go out for distribution. And that would go to liquor stores and restaurants and all that. So all I made in the tap room would only supply the tap room. And I would make larger batches at a contract place to, to get to all the other places because there's really no way of surviving as that small of a brewery. Yeah. Unless no. your overhead is zero and you're not paying rent. You know, that's the only way you can really get by so I would have to have the the contract brewing arrangement so in looking for that piece of the puzzle I started talking with poor decisions and you know uh, first it was no answer was no you know but uh, (laughs) just just like everything else you know I don't give up that easily you know if it's something that's important to me you know I can be pretty persistent and uh, you know I kept coming in and talking because this is my local tap room as well you know it's not far from my home I'm about five miles away from here so you know I'd come in and you know I'd bring it up once in a while and no no well no (laughs) and then one day he goes yeah you know what maybe you know, we could use a couple extra bucks. That, you know. that was the word you needed, right? Exactly. That was all I needed. Was, I was like, there's a, a crack, in the armor. there's a chink in the armor, and I can, uh, I can work with that. Uh, and it just turned into a, uh, a contract for an arrangement. Um, uh, then in working with the state and, uh, and various other outside influences, I found out that the real way for me to get where I wanted to be was to be an alternating proprietorship instead of a contract brewer. Okay. So, went that route. So, we turned our contract brewing arrangement into an alternating proprietorship. Sorry, I'm not entirely sure what that means. Would you... Alternating proprietorship. Um, there's a couple examples out there, such as Lucid okay. and uh, Badger Hill and Bad Weather. Okay. Lucid is the owner of the brewery, and Badger Hill and Bad Weather are alternating proprietorships with them. So, basically... Different parties bring different things to the party. Okay. And the facility stays the the owners, and the tenant brewer can come in and brew batches of beer. So it's basically a way of sharing costs. Okay. So it's it's not quite like roommates, but it's similar. <laughs> um, it's like roommates in a house where one guy owns the house. Okay. And the other people just okay, kind of live yeah. there. You know, and use the stove, you know, <laughs> things like that. A few big um, stoves, but yep, yeah. really, really big ones. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind that. Okay. And uh, I guess it was probably, 
in October or November of last year when the owners of Poor Decisions came to me and said, you know, what do you think about merging? You know, we really like what you're doing. You know, we get along well. Let's merge under the name of Ben Brustillery and uh, let's see where we can go with this. And uh, I thought it was a great idea. You know, I was actually concerned about the, the potential competition. Because oh. <laughs> I would start up somewhere around here. Yeah, and now there'd be two locals. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then but, this and just kind of just took care of all that. Yeah. This took care of that by itself, you know, and... and Kristen ends up being able to do exactly what he wants to do, you know, he's still a big part of this and he wants to brew, you know, and I want to be an owner, you know, I wanted to brew, but I'm not, I'm not going to jump in the way of Kristen. Yeah. (laughs) He's too good. (laughs) He's too good of a brewer, you know, for me to, to, to try and, you know, wiggle my way into that one. Um, he also has quite a bit of experience with distilling as well. So, you know, it's something that he did uh, at the University of Michigan. Okay. Uh, he also, uh, I think he worked for a little while with New Holland. Okay. So he's got a lot of experience there as well. So I, I know I've got him to, to turn to if I ever have any issues. Yeah, because I know New Holland doing. has some spirits as well. Yeah, yeah. They're also a, they're a very big spirit producer, and they've, they've been doing some very interesting things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We really like New Holland and what they're doing and what they represent. Yeah. I agree. Very cool. All right. Uh, I guess specifically about the beers, can you tell us anything about like what kind of beers you guys are looking at doing? Or Yeah, you know, um, our current list of beers is one thing, and the future is, is, is a whole other thing. Um, our current list of beers, we've got uh, the Nordic Blonde and the Dark Father, which are my recipes, and we've also got Infidelity. Uh, Maroon and Bold, which is a seasonal, and then uh, Powder's Beer from Port Decisions. You know, uh, these are some recipes that we're going to continue okay. and continue to produce. Uh, those vary from the Nordic Blonde being a, a very normal, drinkable uh, cross between the Pale Ale and the Blonde Ale. And it's fantastic. I just got to say, guys. <laughs> yeah, what are you yeah. drinking? Uh, this is the Powder's Beer. Okay. This is a Belgian blonde beer, or um, a Monk's Golden Ale. Okay. Uh, is another term used. But uh, this is also a, another lighter beer. Uh, then we've got, of course, the, the IPAs, the double IPA. And then we've got the Dark Father, which is in and of its own level. Um, it's a, a light-bodied stout. Okay. Uh, most stouts are extremely heavy mm-hmm. and very filling and that was the one thing I didn't like about stouts so brew it out of it you've got the power as a brewer to do whatever the heck you want yeah so you know style guidelines be damned you know <laughs> we're gonna do what we want to do that's the and, way to do uh, it you know and it just seems to have hit the right spot too in, in the Twin Cities market because yeah. we sold out of the bottles instantly I mean <laughs> yeah, those awesome. were so gone you know within a month and you know we're getting calls all the time for, for pre-ordering mm-hmm. so we've got a backlog right now of orders for the next batch which is currently in the fermenter and will be ready by the by the end of February okay. is what we're hoping are you going to try to ramp this one into year-round production or are you going to try to keep it as a season we're actually going to drop this into a seasonal okay. yes um, it's we've got so many other other really cool ideas do, yeah. that we want to do. Um, we do recognize that this is a, a very popular beer, and we do want to bring it back, you know, and we will. 
Um, there's going to be a lot of really cool things that we're going to do with this Dark Father. Uh, we're going to be cellaring quite a bit as well. Okay. Uh, I've got five-year-old homebrewed batches of this that just oh. gets better and better. That sounds so fantastic. Yeah. This is a, this is a great cellaring beer. So we're going to cellar some of our own batch number one. You know, wax dip tops. You know, maybe some gold leaf on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> Miles, remember we need to get here next year for. <laughs> So this, this is a beer yes. to buy and save, you know, yeah. for sure. Yep. You know, buy one Vertical to drink and buy one to save. Um, and we're going to be doing the same thing. Like I say, we'll be releasing it. I'm, I'm hoping that 10 years from now we can release some of batch number one again. Um, <laughs> That'd be I, really I, cool. I think that would be really interesting to have, you know, a vertical tasting as well. Batch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Can you put you my know. name on a pre-order for that? <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll, uh, you know, we'll, we're bottling up, uh, we'll probably bottle up about 200 cases or so. Okay. Um, with this next batch and and then uh, go from there. That, yeah. I, I think you know. we just need one for the podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then also, I mean, it's a great beer for barrel aging. Okay. Um, just behind us here, we've got over 600 gallons of it aging in, in various barrels, including uh, rye whiskey, single malt whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and the rum. Wow. Now, the rum I'm really looking forward to because when I smelled that rum barrel, it just had this wonderful sweetness to it. And I was like, that's going to go what, perfectly. What kind of uh, rum? Like, what was the uh, It's a, a Nicaraguan okay. rum. Do you know what? So, I don't know the brand name okay. of it. But um, where where, do, where are you sourcing all these barrels? Like, are they local? Or? I got a guy. You got a guy? <laughs> got that's, a guy. that's good to know. Good, yeah, good a, enough. I got a barrel good guy. Yeah. 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 You know, pretty soon we'll be doing our own, of okay. course. You know, and that's something that's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is expanding our barrel aging program using our own barrels. Um, and again, that's something that this niche allows us to do because we're a brewery and distillery. We can age our beer in our own bourbon barrels. I suppose that really isn't done very much at all. No, I, I, I don't know if I... I think Rogue might do it Rogue, with their dead guy, but they, that's the only thing I can think have of. done it, no. But, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things... Leading something new. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it just is another interesting factor that we've got. You know, I mean, our, our interest factors are just so many. It seems yeah. like that, you know, it's just one more thing. And, uh, you know, having a, a dark father aged in a... In our bourbon barrel, uh, yet to be released name of our bourbon, but uh, and then and then putting a whiskey in it after that. Ooh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, really, the possibilities are are endless. Just so many matching and, and so much. Absolutely, and so much fun. And we're gonna do something else that's that's very rare right now, and I'm I really am shocked as why it's so rare. But we're gonna barrel age some gin. You yeah, know, there's I, not very many. If no, any barrel-aged no, gin, there's a couple, but that's it. And yeah. like I say, that really surprises like, me. I, I feel like that spirit would really lend itself to it, just with absolutely. the complexity as it is as a base yeah, spirit. Absolutely, it, it's actually been a random thought of mine. I've put a lot of uh, recent independent research into distilling, and that was one of the things that kind of came to my mind because yeah. I'm a big gin fan too. Yeah. So no, we're going to make a very very unique gin. Um, gins mainly focus on the juniper berry. Correct. We're going to bury the juniper berry. Good call. Um, <laughs> Good call. It's, it's going to, we're going to have so like many, this guy right? more and more. we're going to have so many botanicals in there. You're not even going to know that it's gin. Um, <laughs> I'm it, okay with this. It's, it's, you know, we're going to put all sorts of really 
cool stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, the juniper berry is my least favorite part of gin. <laughs> Fortunately, it's the only part of most gin. Yes. You yep. know, but uh, again, that's another thing, you know, about working outside uh, the style guidelines and and breaking the mold into doing something more interesting. You know, well, what's that, what's creative about throwing a bunch of juniper berries in a bottle? It really isn't that creative. And the whole thing about being an artisanal spirit is being artistic, you know, mm-hmm. do something, you know, you know, and, and at, at heart, all brewers and distillers are are culinary people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. we're most akin to chefs um, in that we're putting flavors together in a way that they complement each other and not fight each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the whole part about making uh, making a dish that people flip over is how well the flavors complement. And then without, you know, without having that innate ability, you know, you're just throwing Cheetos into, into SpaghettiOs. I mean, that really, <laughs> two great flavors by themselves, but I don't know, man. Put them together. <laughs> I, I, I might try this later. Cheetos and SpaghettiOs? Yes. Yeah, so that sounds I, terrible. I, 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 I don't think you should do it, Miles. It seems like a terrible <laughs> idea. No, all right. On the lighter side, I'm, I'm just personally kind of curious. Uh, do you have a favorite beer style and do you have a favorite uh, spirit that you tend towards over time you know i've always been a bourbon fan thank um, you that's always been my favorite as far as uh, spirits go um you know as far as beer goes i'm pretty much a slut you know i, I, lo- I love them all there's only a few that i don't like you know there's a few styles that i don't okay. like but other than that i love a good palate pummeling enamel peeling ipa <laughs> but i also like a good normal beer like our nordic blonde sure um I don't like a lot of stouts. That's why I make the one as unique as I do is because uh, I don't like heavy beers. I like beers that are more drinkable and lighter bodied. Um, So, you know, if I had to pick my favorite beer of all time right now... I didn't it would, ask that, but okay. But <laughs> it, it would probably be the, it'd be the Nordic Blonde. I mean, okay. because it's an everyday beer. Um, it's probably the one I drink the most of. Um, but then again, if I was to, to try and describe to you the best beer on the planet, it would be closer to a Pliny the Elder, a Sculpin, High Lie. Uh, what was the one I just had the other day from Green Flash? Uh, Palette Wrecker. Wrecker, yep. That's a good Incredible one. beer. Um, a triple IPA? Yeah, Something like know. that. It's a so big IPA. Something yeah. about them. You know, yeah, and they're great. You know, it's something that I... Does the world need another IPA? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, you at know. this point, you can't be a brewery without trying to define yourself with your own IPA. Yeah. Well, I mean, and a lot of people, they'll go in and they'll try the pale ale to, like, get their judge of a brewery, their yeah. pale ale or their IPA, because yeah. everyone has one. I have high standards. <laughs> well, plus, you know, and, and it's what I like to drink as well. So mm-hmm. if I go back behind the bar, my tap room, I want to be able to pour myself an IPA. And if unless I make it, I can't do it. Yeah. So it, it becomes more of a, an issue of, okay. you know, what do I want? Like, oh, yeah, uh, come on. You, you kind of got to totally, brew for yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm not totally altruistic. You know, <laughs> no. I, I do have some selfishness no to me that, is. you know, I want to make what I want to drink. Yeah. And you know, that's the biggest thing. I'll, I'll just say this. I, I find some of the beers I like the most come from the people who don't brew for others. 
Right. They actually brew for themselves and then invite invite people invite on people their in. own bandwagon. Yeah. And you know, that's also where you tend to find people with the most passion. Right. You know, and, and the kind of uh, outlook on this whole, you know, atmosphere that you also seem to have. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and uh in, in in this IPA, in, in like you mentioned, defining yourself with mm-hmm. your IPA, uh, I'm mostly German uh, okay. by heritage. So we're going to make a 100% German IPA. That is, Ooh. is there German, such a thing? Germans don't make IPAs. No. No. Germans are very malt focused <laughs> yes. as a country, <laughs> you know, as a style, you know, they're very malt focused. So, you know, they're starting to get a little bit hoppier um, and they're starting to grow some very, very interesting hops. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, take advantage of that fact and we're going to jump in with both feet and we're making a 100% German IPA. Wow, that'd be very. Can you, can you tell us anything about like the concept of that? Like, what kind of malts or hops you're looking at using in that? We're gonna use standard malts, with the exception of uh, leaning more towards the darker side. Okay. So it's gonna be a Schwartz IPA. You heard of a Schwartz beer? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm so, picturing it in my mind right now. So it's going to be darker, um, you know, and 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 again, putting all this together, you know, you always look at who's at the top of the of the uh, of the ladder mm-hmm. and who you want to emulate or who you want to chase yes. as far as being number one. Can we go back real quick to the Schwartz beer? Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. Sorry, sorry, the Schwartz. Just when you said Schwartz beer, that's okay. not problem. But I don't know that comes up. You can just put a clip from earlier that was from the B-roll. Doesn't matter. This yeah, fill in with B-roll. Sure. Now that we've interrupted the interview, where were we? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in looking at who's at the top of the ladder, it's always the same few year after year again. Pliny the Elder, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's it's yeah. just synonymous. It, it with, doesn't it doesn't seem with, to change a whole lot. Those right. top five, top ten, you know. So we were toying toying around with calling this Pliny the Darker. <laughs> um, <laughs> Russian River. I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know, know what they would do. I don't know German what would German they German do? River. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, but no, I don't want to step on any toes so yeah, yeah it was just a joke be fun to step on it would be you know, just, a, just a little bit just, just to poke bit. the bear yeah um but no you know it's it's gonna be um we're toying around with a couple different ideas for names one is either uber lupin uber you know the, the german word for yep. super and sure. lupin just kind of short for lupulin yeah and uh another one is the german um I don't know. We've got some ideas for that, uh, and hopefully we'll be coming out with that in the next month. Awesome. We've got a test oh, batch going man. right now, and it's, it is good. It Very is really cool. good. The hops that we're going to be using, you know, there's a lot of really cool new hops like the um, Hercules, Mercure, mm-hmm. um, all these coming out of Germany that are, are really, really nice. Uh, there's a couple of new strains of Hallertauer that uh, we'd like to get our hands on to experiment with, but... You know, we'll see how all that goes. Is it is it hard to get your hands on enough of those hops? Yeah, you know, we've actually had to strategize about that quite a bit. We've had many, many, many conversations about risk, you know, in, <laughs> in having a very unique hops as our focal point and then not being able to get them. Mm-hmm. But with risk comes reward. I mean, yeah, if you can get Simcoe them. got 
famous because somebody started using it. Yeah. Really, really fast. Um, and, you know, this unique hop all of a sudden is everywhere, and now there's a shortage again because everyone wants it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, there's there's risks that you take. So. It's always about But the people who got in early have the hop contracts, and so they're, they're able to Yes, get so we get it, right. So the innovators are the ones who still went out. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and that's the funny thing, too. I mean, I get asked all the time. I mean, uh, don't we have enough breweries? Oh, like, you know, is there room for one more? There's always you know, room and, for one more. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, have we run out of food ideas? Yeah. <laughs> Are, do we have too many restaurants? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the question that it turns into is like, uh, there is still so much more room for creativity. I yeah. mean, all these chefs are still coming up with all these Something phenomenal new. dishes that no one's ever heard of before. This is one area that's hard to exhaust. You know, it is. You know, there, there's just so many different variables that go into the equation of mm-hmm. beer that there's, it's the, the possibilities are really limitless. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really what I'm looking forward to doing with the craft spirits, too, is bringing all this creativity to bear on, on, a, on a canvas that's virtually blank. So are you looking to invent new styles? Absolutely. We're going to make up our own shit all over the place. You know, and that's kind of what we've done with the beers so far as far as uh, the Nordic Blonde. We're calling it an Amber Blonde Ale. It's no such style as that. <laughs> there is now. There is now. There exactly. Is you know, and that's the thing. I mean, before the BJCP. Right? <laughs> right. Three years. It, yeah, that's right. <laughs> give, it, give it time. You know, in, in being rebels against style, you know, and that doesn't just mean wearing sneakers with my suit. I actually don't really, I don't concern myself with the style guidelines. You know, I, sure. just, I, I basically put together what I think is going to taste good. And call it whatever, whatever the heck fits, you know. I mean, our Dark Father, it's an American imperial stout mm-hmm. empire, you know, mm-hmm. because we've got the dark Darth Vader in a pimp Love it. outfit on the label. So, you know, it's not an imperial stout, it's an yeah. imperial stout. <laughs> well, people always tell me, you misspelled imperial. It's no, like, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> right over their head. You know, but... Again, I enjoy that sort of thing, yeah. though, too. I mean, the tongue-in-cheek kind of jokes, the yeah. uh, uh, finding humor in paradox, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's, so what? when you look at the, at, at some of my artwork and things like that, look for the look, look for subtle, the little joke, look for the, the little jokes. subtle hidden little jokes. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, what's your distribution range right now? Like, where can people find you? We are everywhere from Cottage Grove. Up to Ramsey, uh, out in Chaska, Chanhassen. So basically, all just the here, Twin Cities area, yeah. a little bit beyond. Uh, any like, are you looking in the future to expand past that? Absolutely, I'd love to get to Wisconsin. Yes, we would love. That. <laughs> I've got a lot of friends in Wisconsin. And, I, uh, I know every a few one of them myself. Every one of them say <laughs> you, you just got to get your more, beer there. So yeah. yeah, cool, good deal. <laughs> so yeah, that's the idea, you know. And uh, you know where it goes, it goes. You know, I do plan to to expand as you know as mm-hmm. production and time permits, as far as I. I as I can go. Um, and once you open the door to Wisconsin, you know, I mean, anywhere else is open as well. Yeah. You get into the Dakotas, you know, and uh, Iowa, Indiana, uh, Illinois, I mean, all around here, you know, become regional and then from regional, go to national. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. 
Um, and then I guess going back to your barrel program, I don't know if we touched on this or not. Um, sours, are you guys looking at doing a lot of sours with the barrels or not really? Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that is another interesting part of, of our business model and our concept and, and the cool stuff that we've got coming down the line. Um, we are going to do a lot of sours. Um, Perfect. We're we need a good do, sour brewery. We really do. Yes. We yes. really do. You know, Some place we can go every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Kristen being probably one of the best sour beer brewers I've ever run across it's just a perfect fit and we really got to get those out there so we've got some fermenting right now Um, we've got a five barrel fermenter that we got specifically for sours Uh, we're looking forward to getting that into the full rotation of production so we can start getting beer into kegs and into bottles to get it into people's hands so that uh, we can start satisfying this huge thirst that Minnesotans have for sour beer it's it's surprising how many people like just love sour beers and can't get their hands on them. Right, you know, and that's the thing. And when you can get them, they're not always that good. No, they're you know? not. It, <laughs> it, it's had... not even just a love. It's a lust. It really it's, is. It's a lust. Like, yeah. Sometimes you just need a sour. You don't just kind of like one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's a love or hate thing. It is a lover hater. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, it is. I'm on the love side. Oh, me too. We yeah. did that entire sour beer episode. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Yeah, we came back from the West Coast with a bunch of stuff from Cascade and Russian River. Yeah, and we just did an entire episode just drinking sour beers. So oh, it was a good very time. cool. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do that again. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll bring it here, and uh, you know, and again, like I say, it's one of those things we get a lot of requests for that and you know we listen you know we want to make these cool interesting things that people really want we don't want to make cool interesting things that no one wants you know first if we love it then we know everyone else is going to love it too yeah mm-hmm. you know we're very normal people in that regard you know our, our taste buds are very similar to to the rest of the world and that, that helps and that's yeah. uh that's one of the things i i mean I, I work at a liquor store and i have for years now it's one thing that i end up telling people a lot is you can't fake good beer right you can't there's you no really way can't. around yeah. it and it's either good or it's not yeah and people yeah. are going to know the difference yeah and if you make a good product you're going to have a good following end definitely. of story yeah definitely so yeah we're, we're lucky enough to, to deal with a lot of very crafty outlets too um, as far as uh, people that carry our beer uh, there's a lot of people out there that aren't just big mega stores yep. that just want to push beer mm-hmm. there are people that really care about beer itself you know and um and helping them along with this whole thing and helping them to help us it's it's great yeah. um, malted beverages whether or not in this modern form have been part of human culture for thousands of years yeah and there's no getting away from that we might as well just embrace it embrace yeah. it yeah absolutely it's embrace yours. it yeah alright well I think we're going to start wrapping up here um, if, is there anything you'd like to plug or like where can we find you on the internet and stuff like that or www.bentbrewstillery.com all one word uh, you can google it you can uh, 
we're on the, the Instagram, we're on the Twitter, we're on the Facebook. And I know you're not supposed to have an article in front of those proper nouns, but I use it anyway. And, and, you know, <laughs> I, it I use it the ironically. Facebook or the I know, Twitter. The Facebook and the Twitter. Everyone knows where you're telling. It's, uh, it's just there. <laughs> so, yeah, follow us out there on that. Uh, we're, we're posting and tweeting many times a week, you know, just to keep people up to date on what's going on. Um, that's where we'll be making our announcements of what we're making next and where you can find it. We've also got a beer locator map on our website. Okay. So if cool. you click on that, you can actually uh, allow the computer to know where you are, and it will show you where your nearest retailer is for our products um you know we've been doing pretty decent you know i'm pretty happy with the first two months of distribution we're in probably 25 different liquor stores oh, and wow. around 15 different bars oh, that's not bad restaurants. very cool so very cool. I, i'm very happy with that you know and most of that has been keeping up with the calls coming into us sure um and for this sort of thing to happen is is phenomenal are you guys self-distributed or do you have we a are okay yeah. It's me and my buddy right. and my piece of shit blazer. <laughs> <laughs> we call it the Bentmobile. Because it is. Yeah. It's yes. no yeah. I feel like the Bentmobile needs its own beer. Uh, it should be on a label at some point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You could do that, yeah. Bentmobile Brown right there. All right. Um, yeah. And then when rust, can rust people... Rust colored is, is appropriate. <laughs> oh, there you are. Yeah. When, when can people come right to the source and get it here? Do you have a target date or... We've got a target date of mid-March... To March. early April. Okay. Uh, so this the way things for... have been sliding, I'm not holding a lot of confidence for those. <laughs> but so, that's the basic idea okay. is is around that area. So around the time that hopefully the uh, the ground is thawing, okay. we'll also be opening here. Very cool. Cool. Very cool. I'm I'm really excited to see what you guys do in the future. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> I think it's safe to say you'll see us here again. Great. Oh, definitely. Great to hear. Definitely. Yeah. All right. All right, we got to fill up beers. So I guess yeah, these right. are empty, right. so yes. I'll see you guys next week. Hey, guys, uh, just a few announcements uh, and a final thank you uh, to Bartley. Again, just that was a great time, great interview, great beer. Can't wait to get more of your beer. It's just so good. Fantastic. Uh, make sure you guys check out our other shows, Tabletop Theater on Wednesdays, Bandwagon on Monday, um, Console Cowboys on Friday, and Breaking Brief on Thursday. I know that was all just kind of jumbled together, but what are you going to do? Uh, we also have new YouTube videos and stuff coming out. Did you guys see Gamer's Kitchen? It was fantastic. Uh, I think that's going to be an every other week show, so make sure you check that out. There's also going to be a video component to this podcast. Uh, we did a lot of uh, just shooting over at the Bruce Distillery, so you're going to see some of that uh, footage up this coming week, hopefully. Um, other than that, if you have any feedback on this episode or any questions or show ideas, you can either send those to feedback at blindedestudios.com or shoot those over to eric at uh, blindedestudios.com. That's E-R-I-C at blindedestudios.com. Uh, please go like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindedestudios. Follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash blindedestudios. And again, I'll see you guys next week.